Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. Perfect for on the go or as a healthy pick-me-up, Irish kombucha brand Synergy includes all the amazing benefits of kombucha and I'm delighted to team up with them for the coming weeks. Craft brewed in Donegal using 100% natural ingredients, Synergy is packed full of live cultures and naturally occurring enzymes, which helps to detox the body, supports gut health and aids digestion. And they've just launched their first canned range of sparkling drinks. Naturally vegan, low in calories and gluten-free, you can pick up one of their latest cans in supermarkets nationwide. And for more on the brand, simply go to synergykombucha.ie. This week, my guest is menopause coach Catherine O'Keefe, who goes by the name wellnesswarrior.ie. If you look at the Japanese, we can learn so much from the Japanese. They've got a term for menopause called kanenkai, which translates okay. as renewal years. Oh, That's I love that. what it is. Okay. I mean, it is really, and it, I always say, I, because I work with so many women whose symptoms can be extremely tough, the key is getting a handle on the symptoms. And once you do that, I, I, honestly, it is it is a time to flourish. This is an episode I wanted to record for ages and I'm so glad it finally happened. We spoke about so much that I've decided to split it into two to allow you to absorb the information as menopause is such a complicated and sensitive topic and the experience of it is so different for every woman. Originally from Kilkenny, Catherine lives in Dublin with her husband Tom, their three boys and their dog Joy. And in this conversation, she'll discuss the physical, mental and emotional aspects of perimenopause and menopause and the impact of stress. She'll also talk about the importance of sleep, eating well, self-care practices and cognitive behavioural therapy in managing symptoms. And I started the conversation by asking her about her own experience. 
So I'm 50 now, right? Um, so I would have started perimenopause when I was 44. So that's six years ago. Um, and um, perimenopause is subtle. It's gentle for the most part. It starts very gradually. It's not like, um, and I'm talking now about natural menopause. We'll talk about the other forms later, but it starts very gradually. So for me, I was at that time, I was still working in the corporate world. I was traveling a lot um, my job was pretty full on. I was a director in an investment bank, fair bit of pressure. And I started to notice that I would be sitting in meetings um, and all of a sudden figures would run out of my head, facts that I would have had at the tip of my tongue that would just reel off my tongue without any issue. All of a sudden it was kind of like, oh, God, I can't remember. And then that kind of had a knock on effect that your confidence dips and Mm. your self-esteem because you start to question yourself. Mm. Um, So that was probably that was the start for me. And very much perimenopause starts on the emotional realm for most women. It's not that you're looking for the change in your cycle. Um, It's more what's happening for you emotionally. At the same time, for me, my periods had started to change. Um, They had gotten heavier and I had scans done and everything looked absolutely fine. I had no fibroids. I had nothing. All was perfect. And then I went um, away with my college friends for a weekend to Copenhagen Mm. and we were sitting in this lovely restaurant and um, having a great night out. And I'd had a little bit of spotting the few days before, just a small bit. All of a sudden it was my first experience of what's called flooding, where your period comes on very heavily in a very short space of time. (laughs) So I was sitting in this restaurant and I'll tell you, I left the restaurant with a jacket around my waist because I was absolutely destroyed. Oh, God love you. Okay, Um, And that happened in the space of um, it was 30, 40 minutes. Right. Probably. So were you expecting your period? I was due one, but, you know, not the way it happened. (laughs) No, not the way it happened. Wow. So when I came back then, when I came back to uh, to Dublin, I went to see my GP, obviously, Mm. and um, I had scanned on again. Absolutely nothing wrong with me. It was just one of those flooding episodes that can happen. It doesn't happen that many women. I after that, I had two uh, periods after that, which were heavy enough and then everything calmed down okay my cycle calmed down nicely it starts to change a little bit I went from 28 to maybe 29 days then I'd go to 30 then maybe back to 28 a little bit erratic um but I guess for me I had gone back to college I'd studied complementary medicine I'd so many tools then that I knew right okay let's tackle this head on so I literally you know I I there's nothing that was would tell me or was going to tell my doctor or will tell a woman you know Catherine you're in year one of perimenopause it really at those early stages comes down to the symptoms so um then really it was Getting my toolkit together, I always talk about having a personal toolkit. So it's your lifestyle choices, you know, all the what I call the non-negotiables, the things in life that will make perimenopause easier. Mm. But when you start with the um, the emotional aspects of it, which anxiety is probably the biggest one, Sheila, that 
is not talked about okay. enough. And it is the one that can be so um, debilitating for so many women because you all of us, you know, anxiety comes out of nowhere. Mm. You may never have had anxiety in your life before. And all of a sudden this is on your doorstep and it's anxiety can rear its head in perimenopause in many different forms. Um, social anxiety, health anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder would be quite common. Um, you know, so the emo- I always say, you know, you, the emotional aspect really needs to be taken care of. You need to be very, very mindful of it. But so I guess just going back to my journey. So that all kind of happened at 44 at the time and in hindsight, this was part of my um, my own kind of menopause journey was the fact that I wanted to change. Um, yeah. I knew I'd been over 20 years um, in the corporate world and the time was there for me to change. So I left um, I left banking and haven't I'd already gone back to college. So then, you know, a year or two later, um, I set up Wellness Warrior and then concentrated wholeheartedly on menopause um so i i would often find most women that i work with an outlet is wanted at some stage of the perimenopause journey that could be learning a new language it could be reading a new topic of books it could be going to a new place but creativity and meaning become very important once you get a handle on your symptoms so you know you'll find a lot of the amount of of women that I would know who've set up new businesses you know who've changed jobs or maybe they've taken up a new language or they're playing you know a new musical instrument or mm. something is it becomes quite important and that's what that's what perimenopause does it ruffles your feathers it's literally like um right you know Catherine you're I want to give you a little shake up here I want to remind you of all the, you know maybe the things that you haven't done and that you want to do um mm. and bring you back to kind of right what do you what do you want to achieve in your life um and I guess for me you know, I've always loved working with people and this this is this is my passion, you know, trying to educate as many people as I can and help as many people um, and as many women and not just women, men as well, because it's really important that it's yeah. a conversation, um, you know, across the across all the society. So for me, since those days, I have been extremely lucky um, so far. I've <laughs> I've. I don't think I haven't had a hot flush yet. It's not to say they might still happen. Yeah, okay. But as all my symptoms change, I just hop in and manage them. And that's one thing you have to be constantly looking at the symptoms. Can I just say though, we're only a few minutes into the conversation and I love that straight away, I get the feeling that whenever I hear conversations are even the questions I got from my followers there's a lot of a lot of the questions are fear based. A lot mm. of it is the negative about perimenopause and menopause. But you've just reflected that there are positives and it can be a force mm. of good, mm. depending on how you, you look at it and whether you tune into. I mean, I just find that really interesting that it sounds like you were being given all these signs to pay attention and go, is this really what you want, Catherine? Yes. And, and you had the bravery mm. to say, OK, yeah. I'm now in my mid 40s, but now I'm going to make a change in my life. I mean. Fair play to you. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, if you look at the Japanese, we can learn so much from the Japanese. They've got a term for menopause called kanenkai, which translates okay. as renewal years. 
that's what it is I mean it is really and I always say I because I work with so many women whose symptoms can be extremely tough the key is getting a handle on the symptoms and once you do that honestly it is it is a time to flourish it is a time to renew it's a time to you know maybe maybe like your kids have gotten older maybe your life circumstances have changed so that you can have a little bit more freedom you know on the flip side of that it can also be a time where it is more the sandwich years where maybe you have a bit more going on so you know you have to be a bit more mindful of stress and how that's impacting your life but you will transition through that whether it's during perimenopause or menopause you will transition through it um i think the important thing i'm it's very important to be empowered because if you're empowered i believe it takes the fear away mm. you know yes and, and across everything yeah on any topic i think once you know and you have the mm. information at hand and you're not afraid to ask questions or hear the answer it just gives you a level of yeah. comfort, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's get into perimenopause first. Mm. And mm-hmm. I suppose one of the questions that I keep hearing is, when does it start? I would imagine it's different <laughs> for every woman. But can you give the average yeah. range mm. of the start, you know, the earliest start date, as it were, yeah. and maybe the, the latest start <laughs> age that it could be? Hopefully everyone's sitting down for this. <laughs> Go on. Um, so we'll talk, we'll just talk, concentrate on natural menopause. We'll talk separately about early menopause. Okay, okay? so what I'm talking about now is natural menopause. For the average woman, perimenopause will start around the age of 45. I started earlier. I started probably 44, maybe 43. I am definitely seeing women starting perimenopause earlier than 45. Um, and that would be where you're starting to experiencing you know, the emotional aspects, maybe the anxiety, some mild depression, different symptoms like that. But why why are they experiencing it earlier? uh, No rhyme or reason to that in terms of there's no proven research. But I firmly believe stress has a huge part to play. Mm -hmm. I would definitely put my own hand up and say when I look back, I was definitely under a fair bit of stress you know, when I was 43, 44. So that would be my personal experience mm. of it. But I am seeing more of it. Um, and I think we're stress in today's world is very different to what our parents um, had to face. So you're looking at um, 45. Then perimenopause goes on for a good number of years. The average age of menopause is 51. The average journey from perimenopause to, to menopause is between four to ten years. Now, menopause itself is actually the anniversary of 12 months without a period. So I often say if you had a period on the 1st of January uh, 2020 and then you didn't have another period till the 2nd of January 2021, then you've hit the 12 month anniversary. That's menopause. Okay. What can happen after that is you might have one, two, three more periods, or you mightn't have any. That most women tend to have go a year without a period. Then they might have one or two, and then they're gone. You know, after a one, two year period, they're finished, and then you're into postmenopause. And postmenopause, people often people think, how long is that? Postmenopause is the rest of your life. It's okay, yeah. from there on in. So it's not like a, a finite period. So really, when you look at it. 
it's all about perimenopause in terms of the symptoms that we talk about. If they all start to gradually build up over the perimenopause years and the culmination is the menopause years. Um, so and when you're talking about perimenopause, you're you know, you're the symptoms. There's over 43 there's a lot of symptoms. Okay. Um, I, I can't say in another six to nine months whether they may have associated some more symptoms possibly, but we know the key hormones that are at play impact all of our body. It's not just, you know, one part. It's not just our pelvic regions. Yeah. It's our, our, you know, from the tops of our head down to our baby toes are impacted by the hormones. Um, and when we look at those hormones, we're talking about progesterone, estrogen and testosterone. They're the three at play. Um, and progesterone tends to be the one that starts to reduce first. And that would be, um, you, you know, proge- progesterone is our calming, our nurturing hormone. So if you think about it, that starts to decline first and then we start to see the increase of anxiety. That makes sense yeah, of course it does. because it's on, you know, the nervous system. It's in that realm. Um, and then estrogen. But estrogen is not a, a simple decline. It comes and goes. You know, it's I always say it's a bit like a boomerang. It, you know, it, it doesn't know what it's at. It's it's flying backwards and forwards. Um, and that decline then is over, you know, anywhere from, you know, it's a period of years, mm. four to 10 years, depending, um, you know, so it's it's that interplay of the hormones is what creates the symptoms. So if you look at, you know, the fact estrogen, for example, like impacts literally every single part of our body. So as that decline starts to happen, it's going to throw out symptoms. It's going to throw out changes in the body. And that's what we see when we look at the, the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause can we talk about those three hormones in a slightly more detail because it's interesting you said that about progesterone that it's Mm -hmm. the the calming kind of hormone um and that absolutely makes sense when you explain Mm -hmm. that that you know women maybe feel a little bit more anxious in situations where they previously wouldn't have Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. their levels are lowering um estrogen what would be the main function of estrogen in terms of its connection to the symptoms everything 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 estrogen is such a protective um, hormone throughout our body. I mean, mm. we know it impacts our brain health. We know it impacts our heart health. Um, it impacts our bones. Um, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's literally like um, uh, the, the lights on the Christmas tree. If you think about it, it's, you know, when you turn on your lights, the whole Christmas tree is lit up. Estrogen is the exact same for our body. Right. It is so important in terms of um, what it does. And, and, our ovaries are the main production place for estrogen and obviously that declines as you go through uh, perimenopause menopause we still have the adrenal glands which will produce another form of estrogen as we get older but the problem Sheila we face there Mm. is stress so when we're in a stressful situation the adrenal glands won't be cons- won't be thinking. Oh, I must produce my estrogen. It'll be thinking. No, I must produce my cortisol. I'm yes, in my fight and flight. So that is why I wholeheartedly believe one of the biggest areas for all women to work on is, the is stress. stress. And that's regardless of whether you're on HRT, complementary therapies, whatever you're doing. Mm. The stress element of it is massive, and it's we- the one area that you know needs constant work. Yeah, we keep hearing about adrenal fatigue. Yes, it's yes, extremely yeah. common nowadays. Mm, mm, 
Mm. So that makes mm. sense. Yeah. yeah. So then the adrenals wouldn't be producing the estrogen. Now, mm-hmm. they will never have produced as much as the ovaries. But when the ovaries close up shop and they literally say, right, OK, I'm We're done, done I'm done. Mm-hmm. Then you can move to the adrenals. But if you're under constant stress, yes. those adrenals are going to prioritize, you know, they're going, they're not going to be prioritizing the hormones that are used for um, uh, fertility over the hormones that are used to save you in a survival situation. And this is where our body, like, I mean, our bodies are amazing in terms of the intricate relations, relationships between all the hormones. But um, this, you know, our bodies will still try and protect us. When we think there's a roaring lion behind us, when in actual fact it might be because you're scrolling through Instagram and it sends your heart rate up or Facebook or, you know, something else or the TV program or something, you know. Um, And then the other hormone, which has a, a big part to play and can certainly have a bigger part for some women more than others is testosterone mm. um it's not just for men women need it as well yeah. and we would often find that um you know where there's uh, the libido drops where energy really drops mm-hmm. um you know where maybe you know the memory the brain kind of cognition and things like that really aren't responding to maybe changes you've made to help in terms of progesterone and estrogen, Mm -hmm. then it may be that testosterone is what you need to look at. Um, You'll find, I would say, the majority of women, it tends to be progesterone and estrogen that causes more of the issues. But then you will have many women as well who will suffer with the the loss of testosterone as well. You know, so it's one thing with menopause, just to say, I probably should have said that straight off. No two women in the world will have the same menopause. Okay, it's different for every single woman. And that's what makes this conversation so compelling, but also quite complicated because there's a lot to cram in Mm. to one (laughs) chat and it's not a one size fits all. No, no. Yeah. Big time, big time. I mean, I I always say that and I think it's very important and I've learned this or I'm very aware of it, I should say, over the last number of years because Obviously, being involved in a lot on the kind of the social media front and, you know, being out there in terms of articles, interviews and so forth. I'm very conscious of being respectful to all women. Mm. And I sometimes think we all need to remind ourselves about that a little bit because my menopause won't be the same as my sister's. Um, It's not the same as my mother's. My best friend will have a different menopause. Um, anyone I work with will have a different menopause and the choices all of us make are our choices and I I just think sometimes we need to be very mindful of the fact that um, it's respectful to let every woman have their own choice and that is their choice you know and we can't Mm. be hardlining anything and particularly, I think we I think women love choice. I love to have a choice. Yes. I love to be empowered yeah, to know what my choices are. Um, and I think that's really, really important. I've sat in situations where um, I've done public talks and, you know, I've been in situations where women have come up to me afterwards and, you know, in tears. And they have said mm-hmm. to me, Catherine, I sat there and I listened to other people, you know, saying how amazing life is on HRT. And but I've had breast cancer, I've oestrogen positive breast cancer and I can't do X, Y or Z mm. because of my own personal history. Why I'm I'm losing out. And 
that's you know and I totally understand that yeah. and I think that's where we just have to be extremely respectful that we're all on a different journey you know similarly you know there might be a woman who's thriving on acupuncture and maybe doing brilliantly for her mm-hmm. um, and then you might have you know someone on the flip side of that who's maybe concerned about HRT you know so I think we just respect is really important when it comes to this conversation I'm so glad you said that it's so important um, to have that compassion across any issue that causes a person to be fearful or mm. resistant mm. to it as well and, and and I'm aware of it as I told mm. you like I'm nearly 42 and I am in a different phase in my life simply because I want to have another child yeah yeah and I'm now and only recently trying again because psychologically it took me a long time to allow myself to go there again simply because I had had two miscarriages. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but I'm hopeful, but I'm also aware of my age. Mm. Um, that's a bit of a detour, but I suppose what I'm trying to reflect is that there will be w- women perhaps listening to this conversation that have already started to have symptoms at maybe late 30s, early 40s, mm-hmm. and they're wondering, and I know that the, the, the kind of the stereotypical age is about 45, but I know it can happen earlier as well. Mm. And we will get into the early onset menopause examples, which are really complicated and very mm. sad, actually. Mm. Um, mm. But let's just stay with the hormones at the moment yeah. in perimenopause and how then it manifests it's the physically. Symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. So um, because there's so many, let's talk about the common ones mm. and I'll touch on some of the less common ones. And I'm just going to go from the head down because I lose track. Great. <laughs> Otherwise, because yeah. there's so many of them. So I've mentioned about the psychological aspect of it um, and I would say to anyone listening, please don't sit on the fence with this one. If you feel that you notice yourself changing in terms of you're feeling a little bit more um, anxious, you maybe feel that you're feeling a little bit more down, you know, don't push it under the carpet. look at it um, and there's so many ways you can look at it you know certainly speak to your GP if you feel you need to or you know look at some other tools I'm a huge believer of journaling so I do a lot of that myself on a daily basis Mm. I practice a lot of you know um, gratitude and things like that that really work for me Um, I think just please don't ignore that realm because if you do, it will only exasperate. Whereas if you can greet it gently in those early days, you actually are going to make the journey so much more of a transformation um, and you will set yourself up to thrive through menopause as opposed to, you know, it being more of a struggle. Um, And also there we're talking about brain fog, memory, Mm -hmm. concentration, um they're huge they 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 impact i mean i think every woman i've worked with has had issues with brain fog you know where you go to the fridge and you've put the car keys in the fridge or there was a lady um was sharing a story with me recently where she put carrots in the tumbler dryer yeah okay (laughs) so it's it's are you forget names or Mm. you're and that's that can be scary that happens to me that's happened to me for the past 10 years (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I know what you mean. I'm not trying to, yeah, you know, belittle anybody's experience. Mm. But 
So just more than usual, more yeah. forgetful, yeah. more yeah. doddery. It's like you're introduced to someone and two seconds later you forget their name. Mm-hmm. And like I would say every day I will get a message from someone, Catherine, I think I have early dementia. This is happening. And it's like Sheila, that it is fear. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a joke. No, it's it not. Is, it is real fear yeah. because the brain fog can really just take over yeah. your life um, and become extremely difficult. Um, so that is a big, big part of it. And that can mm. continue all the way through unless you're doing the preventative steps to, to help yourself. Um, on top of that, which is probably one of the biggest issues in menopause, perimenopause, is sleep, insomnia. Um that can be for many reasons. It can be because of the anxiety, it can be because of the stress that you're not winding down, you're not grounding yourself, you're not kind of clearing your body of the cortisol from the day into the night, mm. which means you won't have the restorative sleep that you need. And we know it's key when it comes to not only menopause, it's key for future proofing our lives down the road because we're all living longer. Mm. So we've got to start thinking not about just the perimenopause symptoms. We've got to start looking at our 40s and 50s and think, right, I've got to future proof myself for my 80s and 90s. And that's a mindset shift that we also need to start looking at. I've started to work on that in terms of when I'm talking and so forth. But um, sleep Mm. is a huge issue. So you know, so you can it can be because of the anxiety. It can also be because you're having crippling night sweats and you can be drenched and I'm talking about absolutely drenched where you have to change your nightdress your pajamas whatever it is some women may just change it once during the night another woman might have to change it two or three times they might have to change bedclothes because they're so wet um you know it really just again it depends and again why why does that happen excuse my ignorance. Uh, that again is back to the, the depletion in the hormones and there there is primarily down to your estrogen okay. your declining estrogen which is going to change the 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 kind of cardiovascular the vasomotor symptoms and that will basically trigger the hot flushes so is it yeah I was just about to ask so a night sweat is a hot flush at night pretty much so yeah okay. yeah. Now, you can also have them in daylight, daylight oh hours. god yeah and it's like that intense it's literally an intense heat from your chest upwards where literally I mean you're talking about you'll go from pale white to tomato red okay. in seconds yeah. um, and you know obviously if you're at home in bed that's you know you can manage it you're at home know, you can throw off your public, clothes yeah. if you're out in public it's a very different yeah. kettle of fish and and if you're in the workplace, it's even more difficult because you can't control the air conditioning if you're in an office. You can't open windows generally mm. if you're in an office. So it's different challenges depending on where you are. But one thing to mention when we look at um, hot flushes and night sweats, for some women, you can definitely see a reduction in duration and a reduction in frequency if you look at ways to manage your stress and very much so if you look at trying to bring in daily meditation even for as short as 15 minutes a day it can help to reduce the duration and the frequency not for all women but there is a portion of women that it can definitely help they did a study in the UK a couple of years ago 
about I think it was 200 250 women and they got them to do daily meditation and there was a 60% reduction in the duration and the frequency of night sweats okay. as a result of it yeah. we know that it helps yes. we also know that CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is very very helpful for many of the menopause symptoms particularly for anxiety um, insomnia night sweats and so forth really interesting because I um I'm aware of it but I haven't uh gone to a practitioner per se but I'm aware that you can actually almost train yourself yes and that's what I love about it yeah I love about it because yeah. to me it's and particularly now yes, in COVID times because you can literally buy a book on Amazon mm. you can download a book on Kindle you can get well I you know I always a big fan of the libraries um yeah. But before COVID, you can get a book and you can start at home and you can work on CBT mm -hmm. yourself. Alternatively, you what was lovely before COVID is you could do group work, which I know a lot of women would have found really beneficial. Yeah. Or you can obviously work with a therapist as well. But it's a very practical tool and also there's um professor myra hunter in the uk has actually developed techniques that are specific to menopause and if you google them you'll find you know these great resources okay, of brilliant little you know techniques and i can certainly send them to you that you can share for those listening who are just hearing about cbt for the first time can you just explain it in a few lines so CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a very proactive, hands-on approach to tackling any form of life issue, but it'd be very commonly known kind of for anxiety, stress, anger, you know, maybe more the more difficult emotions. And we know that it is um, very successful with menopause what it basically does is that you look at for triggers you mm -hmm. look at events that happen that maybe cause you know if something makes you feel anxious what is the trigger what made you feel anxious and part of understanding what the trigger is it brings awareness to the situation and then you can look at ways to I guess mindfully work through how do you resolve those triggers or what do you need to change so one of the very common forms of anxiety in menopause is social anxiety and that can be you can have many women who've never had an issue who have had a great social life love going out and never an issue with it all of a sudden they start to feel a little bit more anxious all of a sudden no i prefer to stay at home i don't want to go you know, out to the cinema, I don't want to go to the restaurant, I, you know, whatever that is. Mm. And where CBT can be very helpful there is like a graded exposure um, approach where you gradually build back into social occasions. And I think, unfortunately, Sheila, I think after COVID, yeah, I think we're thinking. all going to have yeah. an issue with this. I think so. You know, because like, you know, when we get used to things and it's do. been so we long do. now we do. that we've Big been time. living in kind of mm -hmm. a hermit lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have mm. if you have a woman who's already experiencing, you know, some little bit of social anxiety and then coupled with the pandemic. Yes. Then to come back into that, you mm. CBT offers you that very gentle uh, approach at your own your progress you know in terms yeah. of what sits well with you mm. to kind of bring you back into well you know I would you know you start small it wouldn't be like you know going to the pub or something it would be you meet a friend for a walk 
Yeah. And maybe you yeah, meet yeah. a friend for a coffee. Then maybe you have lunch. It's very gradual and it's, you know, it's it, but it's always having that awareness around triggering events and situations. Mm-hmm. And we know when it comes to menopause, we always have to be aware of the triggers because let's say, for example, with the hot flushes and the night sweats, there's so many things that will trigger that. Yes, we've got the hormone decline, but if you have a spicy meal, if you are drinking a lot of coffee, okay. <laughs> caffeine is is a big trigger for many menopause symptoms from anxiety to hot flushes to night sweats to bloating. So you not know, your friend. Not menopause. your friends. No, no. I was working with them. I was working with a lady uh, about a year, two years ago, and she was having huge issues with them, um, hot flushes and mm. sleep. And we'd gone through everything and I was like, you're perfect. You've it all gone like she's perfect lifestyle, food and everything. And then I just thought, and, you know, do you like to drink to your coffee? And she said, oh, I would. Yeah. And I said, well, how many a day? And she was silent for a few minutes. And so I said, uh, I, I said, how many would you have a day? And she said, probably 13, 14 cups of tea. I was like, oh, my okay. God, yeah. <laughs> the caffeine implications sure. of that. There was no way she was going to sleep, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then plus um, it was going to exasperate hot flushes and night sweats. And the other thing about caffeine is, is that we've got to be aware, too, of the long term impacts on our bone health, you know, so it's right. important to be aware of that as well. So I always kind of say with anybody who is suffering with any form of insomnia in particular, really you need to be cutting out the caffeine from probably 2 p.m. in the day. And, you know, if you're still finding things aren't moving, then maybe you are very sensitive to caffeine. Mm. We know it stays in our system, you know, for I think up to six hours. Yeah. You know, so it's important to be mindful of that. And before two, what would you suggest? Well, a mug or two, I, or is that even too much? Well, no, I, I, you know, I would kind of say if you could cap it at three, I think. Okay. But, that's but not, then that's not too bad. Yeah, mm. but you're then still getting your hit. In we're the morning. all different. Yeah, sure. And this is where we have to be, you know, mindful because one person can handle three no problem, another person is really sensitive to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So that's kind of so the emotion. we're still we're still in the head. We're still in the head. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a lot in the yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I'm sure we'll come back to the head and in, you know, we're still on to migraines and he- headaches. Okay. You again can just appear out of nowhere. And um, if you've never had a migraine before and you start experiencing them, you know, that can be extremely difficult because they're very, very tough. And, you know, some people, they can be more severe than others. Um, then, you know, you're looking at um, also just to mention panic attacks are okay. very, very common. Um, and one thing to say about panic attacks, I always say if it lasts over five minutes and you've never had one before, do check in with your GP because we know that if your thyroid is out of sync mm. or if you're anemic, that it can also cause a panic attack to happen and pal- palpitations. Okay. So it's really important to make sure. I always say we should be doing like our annual, let's call it an MOT, an NCT with our GP to yes, get our bloods checked. For sure. 
to make sure not that they're going to tell you you know you're in year two of perimenopause but they're actually going to make sure there isn't anything else going on there that we need to be aware of and particularly when it comes to like palpitations and panic attacks that's where your iron your thyroid are very important so when you are going to the gp and you're getting your bloods done and if you are um concerned about maybe having the symptoms what Mm -hmm. should you be asking for because I, I'm a big believer in, in, in tests and I get my blood yep. taken often because I have no thyroid gland okay. um, simply because I had thyroid cancer years yep. ago so I take L-troxin every morning mm-hmm. and it's grand mm. but I have to keep an eye on it because yeah. it can go out of sync sometimes. Yeah. Um, but Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you're going to your GP, are you asking for particular bloods to be taken? When it comes to menopause and your GP visit, most GPs will look at the symptoms first. Okay. And it is the symptoms. That is really what you do want to concentrate on. Mm. You look at the blood where the blood work is helpful is in ruling out anything else going on. Right. Now, we do have um, you do have the FSH level, the follicle stimulating hormone, which you'll be very familiar with from sure. the, the aspect of kind of fertility and mm-hmm. so forth. But that's changes. And I've 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 worked with women who, you know, have, you know, will say, oh, Catherine, the GP told me that I'm in menopause. And I was like, you know, what day of your cycle were you on when you had the bloods done? You know, what symptoms are you showing? And in actual fact, they may not be in menopause at all. And I just say on that because I have heard that a lot. Mm -hmm. And and I, you know, I, I absolutely bow my head to science and doctors and nurses and the works. And I, you know, they're the reason I'm here talking to you today. But I also think that, my goodness, it sounds very irresponsible to be coming out with these sweeping statements um, when that may not be the case. And it can cause so much anxiety and fear Mm. and sadness Mm. in the person who's just Mm. received this news. Because if you start to believe it, well, then maybe you'll actually start to put yourself into 
menopause. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah. That, I'm a big no, believer in no, that. You're totally right. That, that mind body kind of connection. Mm. And I just find that outrageous. Mm. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Okay. And like, you look, mindset, mindset's not going to cure your menopause symptoms or all of them, but mm. it can help. Can definitely. Help, yeah. And yes, um, I think we have to be extremely careful with FSH because if you're a woman at 44 who shows a high FSH reading and you're told, yeah, oh, you're actually in menopause, that's a very different conversation to being told at the age of 54 you're, you know, of course, in menopause yeah. or you're postmenopause. Um, so and but a lot of GPs will not use that as sure. as a, the kind of the main sign of where you're at. So that's where the symptoms are very important. But what I like to look at in the bloods is I like to look at iron. I like to look at the iron stores. So the serum ferritin. I like to look at B12 because it's so important yes. in menopause. It is so important. The B vitamins are crucial in mm. menopause. Um, I also like to look at vitamin D because vitamin D is extremely important too, yeah. not just for our immune health, but also for our bone health. And we also know that low vitamin D impacts anxiety. So it's really important to be on top of vitamin D as well. Yes. Um, so when you're doing your blood work, you're keeping you're keeping a check on everything and, you know, making sure that there isn't anything uh, starting to creep in. And what can of, often happen is the thyroid can start to go a little bit mm. out of whack yeah. and you you need to keep an eye on that because a lot of the thyroid symptoms can look very similar to perimenopause. Yes. A lot of the symptoms of low iron can look very sim similar to, to perimenopause. And that's why you need to be clear. Ah, oh, it's a perimenopause or am I anemic? It's as simple as that. So you're yeah. ruling that out by doing the blood work um, and then you can make the tweaks that you need to make based on the results. Um, so that's why I like the annual check and then as you go through the menopause journey mm. and as you know that you are well into perimenopause it's important to have the right GP for you on the journey because not only are you going to be checking your bloods you're going to be looking at you know am I keeping on top of my breast check am I keeping on top of my smear mm. do I need a DEXA scan based on my family history is there osteoporosis do I need to get a DEXA scan done to look at my bone health which is what the DEXA does yeah what age normally do women go for DEXA scans generally around 50 yeah but some women it can be earlier based on the family history right so um, I'm sitting at the moment. I have a letter at home to go for mine. I'm 50. Um, mm. But not all women will. May, they may not be aware of it or they may not think they need it. But I'm a great believer in the as much as we know about what's happening with our bodies, the better. Because Absolutely. if, for example, when I go for mine, if it showed up um, as uh, osteopenia, at least I can have preventative steps in place. Yeah to stop osteoporosis. Mm. So it's very important from from that perspective. Um, and then obviously, if you've early menopause, it's even more important that you have a DEXA scan done. Um, so the, and the other things that you're looking at with your GP, I think it's just having a solid GP who is knowledgeable on menopause is really important because at some point you may want to have the HRT conversation. Yeah. You may want to have the conversation about um, you know, do you need HRT? Because maybe you don't, maybe you do. 
and you need an experienced GP yeah. for that. Menopause is a, is a sensitive subject. I mean, it's fine for you and me. I talk about it the whole time. I mean, mm. my eight year old, my eight year old son was asking Siri at the weekend what menopause was about. And he was telling me, <laughs> Mammy, Siri doesn't really understand menopause like I do. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I think um, I, for, for many women, they struggle to discuss many of the symptoms and we'll touch on those in a minute. And, you know, I've had so many fabulous, positive conversations with so many GPs around Ireland yeah. over the last couple of years that are really trying to get the time within very busy practices to train themselves more, to learn more Fair about, you know, and I think we have to we have to take a minute with for GPs in terms of they've got very busy practices and menopause yeah. is one part of their puzzle. And I think they're trying to help as best they can. And unfortunately, not all GPs across the country are as knowledgeable as some are. But one of the things that I've been trying to do over the last year and a half is find those GPs who have gotten that extra bit of training in menopause, that they're comfortable with HRT, that they understand it and they mm. understand, you know, how it can work based on every woman is different. Is it um, true that some women who present at their GP with with symptoms are are sometimes put on antidepressants? Yes. Oh, I'm so okay. glad you said that. I'm so glad because I think I might have I might have forgotten that. Um, we definitely overprescribe antidepressants in menopause. Okay. It's not just Ireland. It's the same in, I know it's the same in the UK. It's definitely the same in the States. Antidepressants are not the first port to call for menopause symptoms. No way. They yeah. should never be. Um, now, obviously, if there's a different history there, if there's a history of depression, if there's a history of cancer, that that maybe is a reason why mm. they're being used, then obviously that's in that particular case. But they should not be the first line um, of defense. Um, you know. And is it because sometimes the woman, I'm just, I'm, this is an assumption now. I'm just mm-hmm. putting it out there. Is it that they're reluctant to accept that perhaps they're entering they're, yeah. into perimenopause or menopause and it's actually, yeah, okay. That is there, right. Sheila. That is right. there. There's definitely, look, we are not good at aging in society. Mm-hmm. Let's be very honest here. We're not. So many women don't want to admit to the fact that they are heading towards the menopause years because part of that is accepting that, yes, we're aging. Mm. Um, now, that I'll always come back to is mindset. Um, you know, like I'm 50. I'm very healthy. Um, you know, I do everything that I that I enjoy, that I like to do, yeah. which which kind of, you know, makes sure it sets me up. I, my attitude to aging is very different. I'm embracing it as opposed to running away from it. But definitely there are many women who would prefer to be on antidepressants than possibly HRT because their personal connotation, maybe, you know, okay. but I will say um, if it is, if, if a woman is presenting with pure menopausal symptoms you know the chances of uh, a more effective 
relief will be through the right use of HRT, Mm. you know, obviously with the caveat of, you know, that person's personal history. But uh, you look, how we're going to change society's view of menopause and ageing. God, that's a that's a lifetime's work. You know, I think for me, the way I look at it is um, my passion is, is that we openly discuss in a supportive environment menopause across all society. We've a long road to go in this whole conversation. And is, is it is it um, is it struggling to accept that that we're getting older? I mean, purely because I suppose I've always come from the um, and I know I'm, I'm only 41 going on 42, but I've you're never... a young spring chicken. Well, do you know what? <laughs> I feel good. Yeah. And yeah. an age to me do- genuinely doesn't matter. Um yeah. And I've, you know, I didn't have an issue at any stage of my life. And I'd like to think in my 50s, 60s, 70s, please God, well into my whatever is my own granny is still alive at 101. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I hope I will never have an issue with my age Mm. because Mm. it is what it is. We were born on a day in a year (laughs) that we can't change. Yeah. And... We're all getting a bit older, but, yeah, but I, it's not all negative because I no. feel like, and this is where, this is maybe again, it's a mindset thing. And even on this podcast, I've spoken to people into their seventies. I think there's this wisdom, experience, life experience that comes with age that I think needs to be respected and honoured and celebrated because it's priceless. The wisdom, the wisdom of women in menopause, um, and I would even include early menopause here because of the journey that you go through. Mm. You can't buy that. I mean, the wisdom is just unbelievable um, from the experiences you'll have had through life, but also from the personal transition that you will go through as part of your perimenopause journey. And that's one thing that I often talk a lot about when I'm um, working with uh, workplaces and corporates is, you know, the value of employees within the workplace who are in that menopause journey, be it perimenopause or or menopause, you you can't replace that yeah. um, in terms of retention and rehiring and so forth because because of the wisdom mm. and because of the life experience. It's going to be completely different to bringing um, somebody new in. And that's why we really have to value women in the workplace and we really have to value the contribution and support women as they go through menopause at work. And plus, we know for a fact women um, in the uh, age group 45 up to 60 are the fastest growing age group in the workplace in the UK and pretty I think also in Ireland as well we have at the moment give or take now they're old statistics but Mm. if you look at the 2016 census we've got about 560,000 women in Ireland in menopause right now Mm. I would say that's an under uh, you know, I I wouldn't say that's an accurate figure because we don't have any stats on menopause. You know, we've no stats on early menopause. Okay. So we're going just purely on age. Um, and if you look like we've over, I think it's 350,000 women working that will be in menopause right now. Again, there's probably more. Mm. Um, you know, so I think th- that wisdom impacts all society yeah. you know it's it's the it's grannies it's mums it's aunts it's you know it's it's everywhere it's the, it's the women it's the people that we go to for advice yes yeah, and yeah. and we respect it yeah and we listen um yeah. yeah it's interesting i wonder is there change happening in society because it seems like youth is so celebrated and and it has its mm. place we've all mm. we were all young once 
I still feel very young at heart um, and I hope I always will. But, you know, there's no doubt about it. People who have lived life, who've experienced yeah. it, they're the ones with the knowledge. I think I think if you look at it, there's more celebrities coming out talking about menopause for sure. OK, which helps um, on the other side. It does help. I'm also very conscious of the fact that menopause is having a moment and I just and I guess I would talk a lot about this in terms of um, I'll get a lot of messages from followers and so forth be saying, oh, Catherine, I found this supplement on um, Google. It's going to cure me of all my symptoms. What do you think? And, you know, I'd look at them. No, thanks. Not today. But right. It's becoming an industry. And I think whilst the awareness from celebrities talking about it more definitely helps us. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, any amount of awareness helps the cause as such in terms of having menopause out there. Um, But I think we have to also be then very careful that um, it's used in the right way. Okay, you know, that it's helping women. And I think that's where I just feel that um, you know, I'm very passionate about products that if they will help women, that they are pure. So let's leave the supplements aside for the moment. We will absolutely get to it. Um, but going back to the physical symptoms. Yes. OK, so um, the head um, heartburn can be quite common as well. Um, so particularly, you know, don't eat late meals late at night and all of that then kind of ties into metabolism where we know our metabolism changes because of the hormones declining it slows down slows down yeah so often you you know weight gain becomes an issue and many times you know i'm asked you know i just can't move the weight um and that is metabolism that is your metabolism changing it's not it's not firing on all cylinders as quickly as it would have done in your 20s and 30s um and that's where it's kind of you know fad diets that may have worked in the past aren't going to be your friend now and it's really back to you know nourishing wholesome good foods making sure that you're getting you know, a really good supply of nutrients, vitamins, minerals into your body through your diet, because we also know our absorption is not as good as it would have been when we were younger. And then on top of that, we also know, going back to our parents' days, the quality of our food, um, Mm. for the most part, is not as good as what our parents may have have eaten. Mm. Now, I'm I'm a huge supporter of organic fruit and vegetables. That's what I kind of thrive on, you know, because I do know with regular farming methods now we have there's more fertilizers, different things going into the soil. And that's why, you know, we know there's depletion of magnesium and magnesium is one of those foods and sources that is really important in menopause. Uh, And that then kind of brings us on to aches and pains. I was just about to say, again, there were a lot of the questions that we were getting, getting in. Yeah. Yeah. Magnesium is obviously really good for that. Yeah. Um, Aches and pains um, can be really crippling for many women in menopause. Mm. And um, it doesn't matter whether you're, um, you know, doing a lot of, you may not be doing much exercise. You may be doing a huge amount of exercise. You may still just get random aches and pains in the joints, in the back, 
you know, anywhere at all. Um, and that kind of brings me back to why, you know, the DEXA scan is important too, because just to see if there is anything mm. more there that you're kind of being flagged. But very much you can often find increasing magnesium um, it, through your diet, through supplement can really impact and really help. And it's not just not just with aches and pains. It can help so many of the other symptoms. Yeah. And often um, it comes in a calcium magnesium complex as well. And I, I suppose if, yeah, I, if bone I, issues are a thing, it might be good. Or is it? Yeah, it would. It could be if you if you have osteopenia, then okay. definitely I would be looking at what I call kind of call the key four calcium magnesium vitamin d and vitamin k yeah. are the the, mm. the four that you want together um or then if if it's not that or you don't you have enough calcium in your diet then you might just need pure magnesium okay. with magnesium um you have to be so careful of the form that you're taking. Yeah, citrate. Yes. All of the different yes. ones, yeah. There's so many How different many? forms. I, There's about I, nine. Yeah, because I take nine. magnesium, but it, I had to learn about it myself because yeah. yeah. I go into the health shop and yeah. go, I'm bamboozled <laughs> with all the different yeah. versions. I've, I researched this in detail about two years ago because um, I started using a magnesium product and I was getting such a personal response to it. I was like, oh my God, it's like magic in a in a tub. Mm. But so then I started researching it more and um, um, there are so many different forms, some of them better than others, depending on what you want it for. Yeah. And then some maybe aren't going to add much value to your diet. So it's really, really important to be aware of the form and the type that you're that you're taking. But we can talk a bit more about Let's that when we look at the, later, yeah. the supplements. Mm. But the other um, big area then to um, look at is the pelvic area. Mm. So when I talk about the pelvic area, I'm talking about urinary incontinence okay. it can be urinary stress um uh, you know maybe slight leakage uh can be kind of just con feeling the need to constantly um con feeling the need to constantly need the, the the bathroom okay um and i always say at some point in your perimenopause journey please link in with a specialized pelvic health physio right. because it is an essential part of the journey. So I would have first been introduced to pelvic health physio after I had my second child. And mm -hmm. I definitely felt I wasn't as um, I just felt a little bit more of stress incontinence. So um, I went to Milltown Physio to Maeve Whelan, who's an absolute guru in this area. And um I would she would have trained me in how to do the exercises properly. Um, and it's really important to have someone like that in your in your in your black book because you can check in and you can see, you know, um, a pelvic health physio as often as you need to. But at least you'll know you're doing the exercises properly and you'll also know where how are things looking yeah. like Maeve will check you internally she will um you know she will work on the muscles she'll make sure things are working as they should be she'll spend the time to train you to do the exercises properly and yeah. it's very important because you're future proofing your yes. urinary system for down the line I remember I didn't really hear a huge amount about it until I was pregnant with my little boy and then of course your pelvic floor exercises are so important <laughs> mm -hmm. and if truth be told I'm probably not doing enough of them now really 
Yeah. Um, Same here. So now that you were just saying it, I was actually <laughs> clenching. I was actually clenching while you were saying, go, do it, do your pelvic floor. But um, I remember hearing that it had been described once that I, it just seemed to make a lot of sense to me. It was being described like an umbrella. Mm-hmm. An upturned umbrella mm-hmm. that when the water comes in and if some of the spindles are weak, it can just fall down. Excellent. That's a great I thought, and it really analogy. Made, that's it really brilliant. Made, yeah, it really made yeah. sense to me yeah. when I heard that. Yeah, I went, that's OK, brilliant. because the pelvic floor, the, the muscle mm-hmm. extends, doesn't it? From, yeah. The, yeah. The, from yeah. the front, yeah. from your vagina to your anus. Yeah. So it is a really important mm. muscle that we need to keep. So important. Right up into, so important. into our later lives. Yeah. 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 So and again, not something that people are comfortable talking about. No, people don't want to talk about this stuff. No, I mean, I have no problem talking about this no, stuff because just the way I'm no. wired. But yeah, and our next one more comfortable is with the them. most uncomfortable that people have. OK, but so yeah. t- so going on from the pelvic, um, the urinary side of it. And I would say, please, if you're getting a sniff of stress incontinence, do not hold back. Google. Yeah. Even email me. I have all the resources that you can contact um, you know, whether you're in Dublin or anywhere throughout the country. And that's one thing, um, Sheila, just to go back to, I mentioned earlier about trying to find the GPs around the country. Mm. I'm a country girl, as you are. Yeah. I'm very conscious of the fact it can't all be just in Dublin. Yes. So I have very much proactively found GPs throughout the country oh, because great. I really when I work with someone and they're down in I don't know or they're up in Donegal or they're in you know Westport or wherever they are I hate to be you know it's not fair to say oh you have to come to Dublin so now I found GPs all over the place so that it's great I can say oh where are you well go and see this GP and so forth and yeah. I think that's really really helpful because the same with your pelvic specialist it, I don't want it to be that if you're in Galway you have to come to mm, Dublin mm. because there is someone in Galway you know there's someone everywhere we just have to find them you know um, so that's just to mention that now the subject that I am passionate about as mm. I am about all the symptoms but really passionate about this one and I started talking about this about a year ago um, to the extent that someone said to me on Instagram Catherine you've covered it you need to stop <laughs> <laughs> is vaginal atrophy yeah. and vaginal atrophy is another word for it comes under um, it's vaginal dryness basically mm. you'll often hear it referred to as the genital urinary symptoms of menopause um, GSM But really, it simply is where the walls of the vagina become drier as you progress through menopause. Mm -hmm. A simple way to think about it is think about the cheeks of your face. They're nice and plump and elastic because we're moisturizing them every day. Yeah. We don't moisturize our vaginas, our internal vaginal walls every day. Yeah. So they become less elastic. If they become less elastic, it means that sex is going to be more painful sure and then that means that if when you have sex you may tear easier than you would have done before okay and you will tear because there's not as much elasticity Uh within the vaginal walls and then if you tear and you might have a little bit of spotting or maybe you won't have spotting But that could then lead to inflammation. That then could lead to urinary infections. What I see a lot of is um, where women will self-diagnose that they have thrush. 
they'll go to the chemist and they will use any cream that's on the counter for thrush. Generally, you know, there's some common creams out there um, and it exasperates the problem because you're not putting right. moisture back in. Yeah. You're actually self-diagnosing as thrush. Please don't ever self-diagnose as thrush. Get a mirror and check and see, can you see thrush, which basically if it's if it's a bad overgrowth, it looks like kind of cotton buds mm-hmm. um, or go to your GP. And, and is it because because with my understanding with thrush is that you can feel dry and itchy? itchy yes. So that yes. itchiness, which would so make the sense symptoms, if you're dry. The symptoms that you will feel with vaginal dryness are mm. itchiness. Um, inflammation, rawness, oh dear, yeah. painful sex um, and constant or recurring UTIs. Mm-hmm. Now, what can often happen is, is that you, you can exasperate it even more if you're wearing, say, tight jeans, tight clothes that will make the symptoms worse. Um, yeah. Or if you're wearing thongs, you have to be really careful with your underwear. Yeah. Um, you need it needs to be 100 percent cotton. Breathable. And yeah, yeah. So you have to yeah. be very, very careful with that. I, I would say at some point of the menopause journey, I think from what I've experienced in the thousands of women I've sure. spoken to at this stage, everyone will experience vaginal dryness at some point so in we the need, journey. We need to get comfortable talking about we it. We do. We and, have and, to. and also, it makes sense that your libido would reduce, obviously, psychologically mm-hmm. or hormonally, it's happening anyway. But if you're uncomfortable and it's, it's becoming painful, it's the it, last thing you'll want to do. Yes. And it's not only that your libido will drop because of the hormones, your lib- libido may also drop because you're not sleeping. Right. But yeah, your of course. libido will also drop if it's painful. But then what yeah. comes in to put to put like what I call the icing on the cake is then the next time you have sex, you're thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be painful. Yeah, so you clench up and the anxiety comes in and it becomes a complete catch 22 situation. So it is one area really needs to be worked on. So say for me personally. So I would have probably found um, maybe about two years ago, I definitely found a little bit hmm. discomfort, not much because I'm always, you know, keeping an eye on all of the yeah, symptoms. Yeah, you're very in tune. Yeah. So I would have found a little bit. So straight away, I started using internal moisturizer straight away. So I would use that now probably two, three times a week. I'm sure there's people listening with pieces of paper and pens in their hands going, <laughs> she needs to tell me what this is. Yeah, it's the I the one I use is it's organic. Uh, the ingredients are very good. Now, the caveat I have to make with anything when it comes to vaginal moistures is you must always patch test on your body externally oh, right, before okay, you yeah, apply yeah. it internally. Jesus, yeah. And what works for me and what I'm not sensitive to is yes, organics. Um, okay. It's an English company. Their ingredients are very good. Mm. I would say the majority of women I've worked with that has worked a dream for them. But you will have a small minority percentage who may react to some of those ingredients and then there's another product called olive and bee um which is a very it's it's made by um an australian woman i think Mm -hmm. who had her own journey and she created this product um and that's another very very good one but actually i think that's a lubricant i'm not sure if it's a moisturizer um so olive and bee 
Um, yes, organics. Um, there is another one. I'll think of it. The, but the key with any moisturizer that you use mm. internally in your vagina, you must patch test it beforehand because and patch test for 24 hours. Yeah. Because if you have a reaction on your skin, mm. then you will have you will be a lot of pain. You'll have a double reaction inside yeah. and be very, very careful with some of the over the counter moisturizers. They just be very mindful. Read the ingredients and mm-hmm. I have seen some women having really severe reactions to some vaginal moisturizers. Okay. So be very careful. Don't just jump into grabbing one off the shelf. Do a little bit of research. Mm. And then the other thing I would say when it comes to sex, make sure um, I'm over cautious now in terms of I use a moisturizer and a lubricant. I was just about to so, say, because when I when I'm thinking of it, I was thinking is a lubricant not enough? But obviously, really, that's you don't yeah, use no. that for for sex, but you want to yeah. be using the moisturizer on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. OK, well, now you don't have to even use it on a daily Do basis. I use I use it like three four times a week but okay. many women even um, when you look at um, the treatment for vagina if your vaginal atrophy has progressed okay. you will need local oestrogen end of story you need local oestrogen and that means Vagifem and Vagifem it, that's kind of the go to in Ireland Vagifem is um, it comes in a little app, plastic type applicator okay. and on the top of it is like a little tablet and then that's released up into the vagina and then it's absorbed by the vaginal walls. Yeah. Um, there's a treatment protocol around that where you start it and you take it for two weeks and thereafter you can move to two nights per week or three nights per week. Is that something what, that you have to get on prescription? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, you right, have okay. to get that from your GP. What I say to women is one, if they're on that, once they've established the protocol, then the nights that they're not using the Vagifem, they could use the moisturizer so mm. that you're getting nice, good nourishment into the vaginal walls. Because why should you be in pain? I suppose if oh, there God, are no products way. available. Yeah. yeah, no. So there are no. probably a lot of women who are listening who are in the situation and they are uncomfortable mm. on a daily basis mm. when mm. Uh, maybe fear. It's the fear of asking that's holding well, them back. Well, many GPs I've spoken to have said to me, Catherine, they won't menstrual vaginal dryness so what the GPs have said to me what they do is they say do you feel dryness anywhere but they're saying even at that it's not prescriptive enough because the other thing is is I know what vaginal dryness is but to a woman who doesn't know Mm -hmm. all she knows is itching inflammation soreness that's not that they, that you, may not be equated you, yeah. to dryness so i would encourage you to open the conversation with your gp because it is it's very very important it's normal it's, it's nothing to be embarrassed it, about a, not at all and really common at some point in time i firmly believe every woman will okay. experience vaginal yeah. dryness at some stage and it if if left untreated it will become a bigger issue nice. and if you're having recurrent um, UTIs, urinary tract infections. I would try and have the conversation. Is the precursor to that? Is the reason they're happening? Is it because of vaginal dryness? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would definitely get into the habit of having um, using a moisturizer and a lubricant, and you know just making sure that you patch test. The other area that's really important for 
that whole kind of the elasticity, um, uh, you know, for dryness throughout our whole body is omega threes. Um, mm. you know, get a, get those good fish into your diet. Get your chia seeds. Get all the foods with omega threes. You know, nourish yourself because not only are you going to help, you're going to help all your body with omega three from your brain all the way down. Yeah, you know, skin, gonna, nails, yeah, the works. yeah, everything. So then, just thinking back to the symptoms. Skin, nails, that's another big one. Skin gets very dry. Mm. So it's not just the vaginal areas, your skin throughout body, your yeah. hair. You know, you can have hair loss um, dandruff. Uh, you know, that's all part of it as well. I would find um, moisture, internal moisture, which is going to impact on our skin quality. I find that we're not drinking enough water um, mm. for the most part. And I really encourage women to Drink room temperature water throughout the day because if you're even 2% dehydrated, it impacts your brain function. It impacts your your cognitive function. So not only are you looking after your brain, but you're also looking after your skin, your hair, your everything, your bowel health. Oh, my God, your bowel health is so important in menopause. Okay. Um, so water is really, really important. Plenty of fibre. And fiber, yes, essential, because if you think about it, um, if think about a little bit like a dam, if your bowels aren't moving as they should do, you're looking for a daily bowel movement that is smooth, doesn't cause any pain and is solid in a nice in a nice way. Mm. If that's not happening on a daily basis, the wall, let's just say, you know, you have like the analogy of the dam. Everything gets backed up. The toxins are backed up. So you're not releasing the toxins from your body. And then those toxins can go, you know, they just get backed up. Reabsorbed, And yeah. our energy becomes more stagnant and everything gets held up. So it's really, really important to make sure that we look after our digestive and our gut health at this time. One of the questions that's jumping into my head is, can we... I mean, I know we can't, you know, turn back time Mm -hmm. and it is what it is. But can we actively slow the onset of perimenopause? I mean, can we now at a certain age, if we're not experiencing symptoms Mm. and we're still drawn to this conversation, can we put, I don't know, (laughs) things into place in our diet or otherwise that will help? I mean, I know you've spoken about the impact of stress Mm. and the importance of certain foods. It is, is it proven that it can work? Can we slow down time? Um, You're asking for a friend. Yeah, you're you're not going to stop the hormones Mm -hmm. natural decline that has to happen. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. But you can do the lifestyle aspects of Mm -hmm. it and the particularly the food aspects of it that are going to keep your body firing on all cylinders and you can put like phytoestrogens are foods which mimic the action of estrogen in the body Mm. but Sheila I have to make the caveat they're never going to be as strong as synthetic hormones uh-huh. you know they had they they but they can help they can top things up um but they won't be as strong but certainly adding as much phytoestrogen foods into your into your menu into your diet as you can is essential mm. um i've just realized at this point of the conversation we are still only at the absolute tip <laughs> of the iceberg <laughs> Despite chatting for, uh, let's not even say how long we've been chatting. Oh, God. So, um, 
I think we need to do a series, Catherine. Um, let's just try and zone in on some big hitters, right, at this point, because I do want to get to the questions know, as well. Know, and you've already yeah. covered so much, which is brilliant, but you have mentioned yeah. it a good few times. And I know there's a lot of controversy around HRT, hormone mm. replacement therapy, mm-hmm. and whether it's right for everyone. And there are various reasons why it may suit you or may not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know. Go. We're jumping in there. (laughs) And this is where we leave the conversation for now. Next week, Catherine covers HRT, early menopause, and she also answers a selection of questions that were sent in to me on Instagram as well, including advice on supplements. This episode of Ready To Be Real Conversations was brought to you in partnership with Irish kombucha brand Synergy, who offer a delicious range of 100% natural, organic and low in calorie sparkling drink varieties containing all the amazing benefits of kombucha and available in supermarkets nationwide. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.